Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And I'm telling you, there's a movie now called The Shape of Water, directed by my guest, Guillermo del Toro, who is already in the beginning of the year uh, winning awards. He won the Golden Lion at Venice. He's just won an award from the Los Angeles Film Critics for directing it. And it's one of my favorite movies of the year. So I think I'm just thrilled to have you here on the show. Very happy to be here, Peter. Great. You're feeling good about Shape of Water, aren't you? I do, because, I mean, the way you go out making movies for everybody is a filmography. For you, is a biography. It is. And the moment I chose to do Shape, which would be seen by many as a completely insane, unsure bet against continuing doing bigger movies, which were already on their way, but it was a very personal decision at a very crucial point of my personal life. And I said, I'm 52. Mm. Let's go where it's not safe. <laughs> you know, let's go there. Because, because, and I think those are the genuine moments as a storyteller where you find, so to speak, the gold. Well, you do find the gold, but even describing this movie to me, who's a critic and writes about it and has space. But if somebody came up to me and said, what should I see? And I said the movie Shape of Water... They would say, what's it about? And I would say, well, it's about this woman. It's a cold war. Yeah. She's a cleaning woman. And she falls in love with a creature who looks a little like the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> but they're doing experiments on him. And they go, what? <laughs> but it's also a musical. <laughs> it is a musical. It also has music. It's got dance. It's yeah. got everything. But how would you describe it? A fairy tale for troubled times. <laughs> Well, we got the troubled times. Well, I think, I think that, that what it is is a moment right now, and that's why I chose 62, because we're echoing 62 in a really intriguing way. You know, we are uh, at a time... Well, Cold War is on again, mm-hmm. first of all, but there's also a, a time that is very divisive, and it's very divisive partially because the image of the Camelot America, the ideal America, the America that was great, mm-hmm. is crystallized in 62 before Kennedy gets uh, murdered, assassinated, before Vietnam escalates. Uh, and it's, it's crystallized in this backyard suburban barbecue, jet fin cars myth. But if you go back in time, like we do in the movie, you see it's a very divisive time. And it's about the other. The movie's about empathy with the other. Yeah, empathy sort of lacking, you yes. know, everywhere yes. you look. Which I think is very present it. right now. I thought it was kind of great in, in L.A. that you shared an award with Luca Guadagnino for a Call Me By Your Name because Shape of Water and Call Me By Your Name are the two most romantic movies that yes. you could see yes. anywhere now. And yet people don't understand why is this romantic? There's a creature in it, you know? Well, the, the beauty of, of, of uh, Shape is that the embodiment of that otherness is in this elemental river god from the Amazon that mm-hmm. that some see as beauty and some see as a filthy thing mm-hmm. that needs to be studied and tortured and kept at bay. What I did uh, in the beginning is I, I tried to follow form to have a, a, a basis and we took I took the, the paradigm of a 1950s movie, the hero the square-jawed agent from the government with an impeccable suit and a gun who would have been the hero back then, here is the antagonist. (laughs) And the image, for example, of the creature carrying the girl, which is an image of horror in the 50s, is here an image of beauty. You know, and then you take all those um, cues and you turn them on their head. And you say, this is important, 
the first step to that is you say, okay, this is the story. Now, through the main door come all the alpha males, the agents, the scientists. Now, let's go into the story through the service entrance. Go with the janitors, the cleaning woman. That's right. Know? And that immediately makes the story far more interesting to, to tell. And what is fascinating, too, is that this cleaning woman played so brilliantly by Sally Hawkins. I mean, brilliantly. That's, wow. A blessing written for her. Yes, she told me that. You came up to her one time and said, this is it. I'm going to write you a movie and you're not going to say a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was funny because I, I, when I started writing it in 2012 mm-hmm. for her, it took me four years to do the screenplay. I said to her, I called her agent and said, I'm writing a movie for Sally. And then when I met with Sally uh, a couple of years later, I said, I writ- I've written this for you. You play a, a, a silent cleaning woman, but you get a monologue and a song and dance number. <laughs> song and dance number, yeah. You get everything. You get to eat hard-boiled eggs. Yes. And you get to fall in love with a creature that everybody else is terrified of. It, it is beautiful because I wanted to do... Uh, uh, the, the paradigm of the movie is obviously a fairy tale, which is Beauty and the Beast, but uh, taking, taking the things that I don't like out, I, like normally... You have a perfect princess in a pedestal that is intelligent and this and that and beautiful and, you know, forthcoming. And, and I said, no, let's make it somebody with uh, and is an, an innocent and a pure. I said, let's open with uh, a routine that is she drinks of water, boils her food in water, <laughs> shines her shoes, goes to work. And somebody that you can actually see next to you in a bus stop. And then find the extraordinary in that. And then the beast, let's not transform the beast. Let's, let's love the, the, the other for its otherness, not in, not in spite of it, for it. That's right. And find, recognize yourself in that, you know? You have Doug Jones, who you use in a lot of your yes. movies doing yes. this. What's it like to, for him to play this role? It's a, it's a really difficult thing because uh, the thing with this... Uh, you're creating not a creature, you're creating a leading man. So we took three years to do it. Two years in design, one year of sculpting and technically solving the creature. Now, that sounds easy. Now you put it on top of someone and you need a performer first that can break through all the latex, all the acrylic, all the wearing servos that move the gills, the lack of visibility because the eyes are, you know. and, and, And you do it with a real suit, not CG. You do it with a real suit. And then... You ask that performer, now you're going to act. <laughs> you're going to act opposite some of the top actors in the world. For me, Richard Jenkins, mm-hmm. Michael Shannon, Sally, Stuhlbarg, Octavia. You know, you don't hold your own. It won't cut it. And, and I think Doug is the rarest breed of actor and performer that can break through any barrier I put on him in Pan's Labyrinth and this in the Hellboy movies, whatever we do together. You do put him through hell. I put him through hell. <laughs> really every do. time. I don't know why that, when he gets a call from you saying, oh, he, he we're hides. working again. <laughs> Tell him I'm not here. <laughs> no, I'm not doing this. But I, I, I want to emphasize without giving it away that it's a beautiful love story. The, the music that she does, because she'll come in, this cleaning woman, Eliza, and she'll say, here's a hard-boiled egg. Here's some Glenn Miller to listen to. And meanwhile, she's upstairs in her apartment um, 
with her friend played by Richard Jenkins so well. Beautiful, yeah. You know? And they're watching old movies all the time. And they leave Aboba Cinema. Yeah. But because the movie is a love letter to classical cinema. The, the not, not all great cinema, just cinema. Mm -hmm. Because if, the, if we enthroned Citizen Kane or singing, right now we're enthroning Sunday movies. Mm -hmm. We're saying film is great. No matter what film, grand film, low film, medium film, matinee, doesn't matter. And, and the, the way I shot it and what people say, oh, what, what movies did you study? I say the ones you least expect. I studied Douglas Sirk, mm -hmm. uh, Michael Powell. I studied uh, Stanley Donnan, William Wyler, you know. I wanted the movie to have a fluid camera, like it was floating in water, that is constantly almost uh, choreographed. You feel the characters are almost going to break into a song. <laughs> and the idea was, Peter, I, I said, sometimes you think in symphonic terms. What I'm thinking is I want to make this movie a song, mm -hmm. a love song that people come out humming out of the theater, filled with an emotion. I think in, in all your movies, there's, there's, some, there's an affirmation, though, of what humanity yes. is supposed to be, yes. you know, yes. and what it is to be human, which empathy comes with in terms of... I, I, you, you, you're, whether it's Devil's Backbone, in which all the kids need to come together, literally, mm -hmm. as a hunting party mm -hmm. to, to kill the antagonist, or whether it's something as overwhelmingly big as Pacific Rim, in which... A scared girl lives in the heart of a grown woman that lives in the heart of a 25-story robot, and the only chance they have of surviving is empathy mm -hmm. between two people that don't trust anyone. <laughs> this is the theme of my movies. Uh, Hellboy, there's a beautiful line by Abe Sapien, who's also an amphibian man, yeah. also in a government facility, saying, I don't know how this is going to end, but all, we, all, all those freaks have is each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we... we the overwhelming idea. So I have to ask you, in terms of you, you've always had a, an interest. Mm -hmm. You could even call it an obsession yes. with the other, yes. with what's alien. Yeah. When did that start for you? Well, you know, a lot of people think uh, of deformity as an outward feature. You know, mm -hmm. you, the, you are lacking an arm or you have, you know, and of course that is the most evident, the most, but there is also, uh, you can get your soul fractured and, and destroyed or burned at an early age in an invisible manner physically. And I think that I had that. I had a, a fracture run through my entire being when I was very young, you know, through many things, Catholic dogma, mm -hmm. uh, a, bit of, a, a little bit of the tough love, uh, rod education that was dispensed at school or at home, you know. This is in Mexico. In Mexico. This is uh, Guadalajara. 19, 1964, yeah. I was born. And, and I remember also not fulfilling all the expectations of what a healthy, happy child was meant to be. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then you, you feel uh, very much fractured and you find uh, uh, that you're invisible, that you're alone, that you're invisible. And then to the, your family, to your friends, to to, to most of the world, and mm -hmm. I think that uh, this circumstance, where uh, you start using creatively, and in my case, I find a second family, and it's not I'm not being facetious; it's truly at a very spiritual level uh, in monsters. And and here's uh, there's a thing that Mexico does when Spain, Spain comes with the Catholic religion. Mm -hmm. We do a thing that uh, most Latin Americans did, which is called syncretism, 
we grabbed the, the dogma of Catholic and we took our elder myths and we married them together and made something syncretic of that. That's what happened to me with the Catholic religion and uh, monsters and, and fantasy and fairy tales. I joined them, fused them, and this movie has a lot of Catholic uh, uh, undertones, the, the story of Samson and Delilah, which of course was fascinatingly lurid when you <laughs> were a kid. The idea, the fish as a symbol, I don't need to explain that to a fellow last Catholic, <laughs> yeah. but also the idea of the humble Messiah, the Messiah that comes in the shape of the most humble, poorest, uh, smallest of creatures and gets beaten, tortured, and then rises at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, these are things that are still remnants of my lapsed uh, Catholic education, but they're married intrinsically with Universal Monster Movies, for example. Uh, when I saw the creature of Frankenstein cross the threshold uh, in Wales Frankenstein, I saw a martyr. I saw a redeemer. Mm -hmm. I saw somebody that I could identify with in the same way that I, I, I was asked to identify with the, with the martyr, uh, martyr damages of Jesus that are very gory in Mexican mm -hmm. religion. So something very strange happened to me. And, and, and I, little by little, I found out across the world a family of misfits that I work with, that I am friends with, writers, directors, producers, actors, and, and, and you know, people that love cinema. And, and you build an alternate world for yourself. But did your parents support you in what has to seem to them a strange way of you looking at the world that way? Were they supportive or not? Well, I would say that my mother was also, is also very strange. You know, she reads the tarot cards, she, she does cleansings, she reads the she's palmistry, tea leaves, whatever. Mm -hmm. She's a painter, you know. Uh, my father was and is a very square man, you know, a businessman, car dealerships and so forth. But they didn't oppose it. Uh, my father gave me my first Super 8 camera. My grandmother opposed it a lot, but, but, but only because she really thought uh, there was some evil agency propelling me to the grotesque and the horrible. I mean, when I was already doing makeup effects and sculpture and all that, I showed my grandmother my, my uh, portfolio. And she was almost in her deathbed. She was in a, an old folks' home, and she looked at it, and she started crying. She said, why can you not do anything beautiful? Why do you have to do this? You have such talent. And I said, to me, this is beauty. It is beautiful. It is. Yeah. And, and that's what I've been doing for 25 years, Peter. Uh, professionally, I, I've stayed in one track, not out of stubbornness, but out of pure belief. We always hear, I always hear about the three amigos. Your, your buddies, Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, which are instrumental. Yeah. And Ritu. Right, yeah. So you guys support each other. Yeah. We give a hard time to each other. Like, Do you? Oh, yeah, in a good way. Because they won their Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Now it's your turn. Well, or Come not. Come on, Guillermo, does it matter? Or not. I mean, honestly, not, yeah. I, I tell you, we had, we felt, we did, a, a really a historical commitment from, for a country where we said, when Alfonso won, my mom called me on the phone. And in the most casual way, she said, aren't you happy your brother won? And I, I said, absolutely. And it, I meant it. That a thing lifted when he won. And then Alejandro has been winning so many. Yeah, he's got two. There's like four. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's the four right. Oscars. 
And, and, and I honestly feel that the, the most rewarding thing, if I get one, amazing, I'm, I'll be the happiest man on earth, but this is the important thing. I'm here in the conversation in the same way I was when Pan Slavik was made, mm -hmm. in my own terms. Mm -hmm. I didn't make a movie about the life of Louis Pasteur <laughs> or right. the life, biography of Napoleon. Mm -hmm. I'm, being, I'm being talked about for a movie I wanted to make in the strangest terms possible, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's what, as a man, makes me happy. It should. And what this movie is, is I always, it's funny, I see you in both of these characters. Yes. You know? That's what my kids say. Yeah. Do they? Because yeah. I've always heard this. One day I'm going to be out in LA and force myself to get into your fabulous. You, do you have one house or two houses that, two houses? 11,000 square feet of weird stuff. Weird stuff is in that books, house. Movies and art. So wife and kids aren't in that no, spot. No. no. Are they allowed this to is, visit? This is this is this is, not, this is my sanctum, you know. My inner sanctum is <laughs> is is a house with secret passages and sliding bookshelves and a, a, a rain room where it rains seven days, twenty four hours, seven days a week. You've got it raining in there. And it, it, it has an artificial. I designed and installed a theatrical projection in a window and a surround system. But but, but the, the 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 what the, a man cave that is. It is. It's, it's, yeah. And there are, uh, and I organize alphabetically the books, alphabetically the movies. There are 7,000 movies, thousands of books, uh, 15,000 uh, volumes of uh, magazines and comics and this and that. And it's a, it's, a, it's a knowledge center. It's a place where I can research, where I can organize. It's basically a mini public library for my own use. You know? For you, that mm -hmm. inspires you to go every day, on and, every day. and to do this. Is there a moment in this movie because it's full of moments for me, and there has to be to you because you're in the editing room watching it over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's unfair of me to ask you to pick one. And I don't mean the favorite, but the one that resonates with you every time you look at it, that you can look at it and it maybe even wipes you out when you look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the ending mm -hmm. always gets me. And I, I, let's see if I can get through this discussion but the the monologue she has mm -hmm. gets me even talking about it uh, uh, because it's, it's, it's exactly what I feel life is and love is mm -hmm. you know and, and I think that uh, right now we live in a world where cynicism has supplanted intelligence where if I tell you, Peter, I'm 53, I don't believe in love, you'll think I'm a f super smart guy, a very sophisticated, cultured man. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you, Peter, I'm 53, I fully believe in love, you'll think I'm naive. And I say, Alejandro and I have been saying this for years, Alejandro and Yarito, we say emotion is a new punk because it's the most dangerous place for an artist or a storyteller to go. It is the least popular. It's the one that is seen as counter. And that's where I want to go. I want to go to a place of emotion. And that monologue, which I wrote to function at three levels, I said, we need to see the actress, because this is a movie about words are not enough. Mm -hmm. You know? So she, you see her emotions when she's signaling, and they are far bigger than the words. Then you hear the words she's saying. And these are concepts that are very personal to me. 
and then you see Giles, Richard Jenkins, repeat those lines, and you see him have a, a, a moment of realization of who he is and who she is and what love really is. Mm -hmm. So it exists in three levels, and it's such a beautiful piece that sometimes I cannot discuss it. I have to let you go, but I don't want to because there's, I haven't even started with no, certain No, I things. thought we but, were starting. No, yeah, we're just starting. But this show, first time you've been on this show, yes. it ends in song, always. Oh, it does? It does. I don't care what it is, although I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you'll never know in my head because how can I not after seeing The Shape of Water to do it? You want me to sing something? I, well, of course you do. You can do it. You're fearless. De la Sierra Morena, cielito lindo, vienen bajando. Un par de ojitos negros, cielito lindo de contrabando. Guillermo, you've got, where's the musical for you? <laughs> thank you. That thank was you. it. That was thank great. you. Thank you. I'm a Mexican. I've serenaded many times. <laughs> you can do it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Bill. <laughs>